up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down and talk with creative, intelligent, and ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey. Because we are never given a playbook if we want to start a business or embark on a leadership path. We need to learn from others. So I wanted to build a library of those who have done it so we can learn from them. Today on the show, I have Shonda Huffman, who is the founder and CEO of Tootie Marketing. Tootie is an all-female creative marketing agency, which is outstanding, and they work beautifully together. And the story of how it was born and Shonda's path is is incredible. She was in radio for uh, over 20 years, um, navigated that landscape, which is a male-dominated medium, and she crushed it. And she learned some really important lessons along the way. The one that I liked the most was where she realized she was playing it safe and out of fear. And she wasn't really being herself. And she bottled kind of her true self in to the point where she was causing herself physical damage. And, you know, gosh, I guess she hit bottom and, and everything changed after that. She really blossomed and was able to become her own person at that point. So it was pretty inspiring to hear. From there, she went on and she helped with microbe formulas here in town and was eventually promoted to their director of marketing and uh, just crush it. She helped grow that business from, uh, I think it was from 5 million to 50 million and they eventually sold it. So she was kind of out of a job. Over the previous few years, she had dreams of of running her own shop, her own creative marketing agency, but fear had told her had held her back. Well, this was the time to give it a shot. So she did. She still stares down fear every day, but she gets up and does the work and is doing a hell of a job. So thank you, Shonda, for coming in and sharing your story. Um, I'm going to have you tell it right now. All right. So I am joined today with Shonda Huffman, who's the CEO and founder of Tootie. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Thanks for making the trip to the suburbs. Dude, this studio is so nice. Oh, thanks. You got the nice headphones and everything. This I know. is my jam. Just settle in. I settle love it. In. Did I I just said my jam. I, I think that's kind of out. That's all right. We'll, I don't think all the cool kids are saying that anymore, but we'll, we'll keep it alive <laughs> okay, for now. Good. You can edit it out if you want. No. <laughs> or keep it no, in. It's all good. Do. It's all good. All right, so Shonda, tell me a little bit about, we're going to talk about yourself for, oh, for, for an hour, okay. essentially. So All right. tell me, where are you from and how did you get here to Idaho? Uh, well, I got to Idaho, um, let's see, it's, it will be eight years in October. Okay. I've been here and um, uh, what brought me to Idaho was radio. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I uh, have been a morning radio TV host for 22 years. And, um, and so when I got the call, I was actually in Dallas doing morning radio and I got the call, uh, from a local station here, uh, wanting me to take over mornings. And I thought, wow, Boise, Idaho, that's, that's interesting, yeah. you know? And, um, and so when I flew in for my, my market visit, are you kidding me? This place is incredible. Right. I fell in love instantly. I mean, being in Dallas, it's a big city. You almost get swallowed and eaten alive. And uh, I had been there for a while. And before that, I was in Houston. And so 
coming here and just exploring, I was here for a couple of days and I just fell in love mm -hmm. with everything Idaho. And at the time my son was in fourth grade and, um, and we you looked at a couple of houses and just the vibe and the family and the community and the mountains and all the things. I mean, I, I can go on and on about how wonderful Idaho is. And we were all hooked all myself, my husband, my son, we all were here and we just fell in love with it. So mm -hmm. it was, um, it was a no brainer for us to come to, to Boise. And here we are eight years later and this is our forever home. Like mm -hmm. we are not going anywhere. Yeah. I've, I had the same experience. I've been here 22 years now. 22 years. And, um, <laughs> I think about it, it's been so long. From Chicago originally. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I moved around yeah. a bunch and I uh, yeah. met my wife. I was working at Washington state university, uh, in the late nineties and my wife was there and uh, that's where I met my wife and she's from Idaho and she brought me down and I was like, this is what I'm talking about. Oh you yeah. Know? So it's instant uh, yeah, love. Love was, at first sight. Yeah. So I've been here. We're never leaving. Like this is, this is where we set up camp. So, oh, and, and then just looking around when we were, we were, you know, shopping and looking around at houses and things and we found our little spot in hidden Springs mm -hmm. out in the foothills. We have our son can like, you know, play in the Creek, the school's right there. I mean, it was just, just such a sense of community and uh, anybody listening who's familiar with Hidden Springs, the rumors are not true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, so like, it, we'll talk about the elephant in the room. It's yep, not true. It's not true. It's okay. not true. <laughs> yes, understood. All right, it's good to clear that air. Thank you. <laughs> I know everybody's thinking it. Uh, well, Who knows? Let's, so let's talk, uh, let's, let's pop to present day. You know, yeah. you've got a marketing agency. Right? I do. I have a marketing Sweetie. agency. Um, we're a creative communications agency, uh, downtown Boise, and uh, we just launched March 31st, but oh, wow. this has been years in the making. So it's not something that like, oh, we just woke up yeah. one day and we're going to start an agency. This has been something that has been um, just so important to me for a very long time. And after I shook all the fear out of my body to be able to take on um, this, you know, whole experience and this journey, um, it, it has just been incredible and this is where I belong, you know, and I, I feel I've never felt so much purpose, uh, and drive in my life until, um, until this very moment. So even after being, you know, in TV and radio for 22 years, so launching 2d has just been an incredible experience and, a, a, a big dream that I've had for many years come to life. So, well, good. I'm excited to, to dig into that yeah, story for, for sure. sure. There's a yeah. lot, there's a lot there. I know there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in doing a little bit of research before you came in, yeah. I know you went to Brown, right? I did. Yeah. I went, yeah, yep. Yeah, I went to, I went to, well, Brown college. I don't want to make sure people don't think I went to Ivy league school, but, um, I did go to Brown college in Minneapolis and it's, um, it specializes in broadcast journalism. Um, all the big, broadcasters in the country uh, went to school there and I'm very proud of my experience because you know they only accept a certain amount of people every year mm -hmm. and so it was just a fantastic um, you know opportunity and uh, one of those goals I had at a very young age to be a part of, of that school and just to get all that experience and to get my first morning gig when I was 19 years old was just incredible because yeah. I mean radio was really all I knew um, you know from the age of 15 and then to be and to get accepted to such a just stellar, um, reputable school like that was just fantastic, and that just kind of set me set me up for success yeah. from the beginning. So, so talk to me a little bit about you know why communications, why radio. What point in your adolescence, you know, did you oh wake boy. up and you went, I want to 
be in radio you know like what was that moment like for you what drew you to that like there must have been something that's caught your attention and well, we're, tell me. well we're about to get real real deep into a therapy session here yeah, um because yeah. um, that's really what it boils down to and it took me a long time to understand because I was on that journey to find out why why this career why am why is this like my natural gift and my talent and, you know, as I got older and just working on my self-awareness and just working on myself, I realized, you know, my mom was a, was a, um, a single parent. She, um, she was a prison guard and, you know, so she was, uh, constantly, you know, at work and doing her thing. And my dad passed away at a very young age and there was a lot of childhood trauma there. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like, I was lacking connection with sure. people around me and especially my parents, you know, losing my father at such a young age and then having my mom, uh, as a single mom being so preoccupied with bringing in a paycheck. I mean, I get that now mm-hmm. when I was younger, I was like, oh, okay, right. like, wh- where are you? That's like, you I, know, I need yeah. help with my homework. You know, like, right. what's going on? I need to talk to you about things. Um, and so, um, my, my desire to connect with people and to feel, and that's the other thing, not feeling loved. My mom loved me in her own way, but it wasn't what I needed. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, these are all things I understood as I got older. My mom was such a hard worker and she always provided for us and did her best. But for me personally, I needed more. And so I, I realized quickly that I was seeking out that, um, that love Mm -hmm. and connection and so I got really good at, um, at, a, at a very young age of understanding that connection part and um, just really being curious about everything. And, um, and then it just, be, it just kind of grew from there. Um, and then uh, I got my first uh, radio gig at 15 and I was doing the farmer's report sure. <laughs> at WKKJ. <laughs> and, um, and so... I, I loved it. And, and then with that being so young and being in that position, I then got this, I got love mm-hmm. and attention. And, um, but I come to find out that's all conditional, right? Like right. you realize that's 100%. really not the unconditional love that, you know, that everybody needs, but right. it was like this conditional love. Like I was a, a, an entertainer and I got that attention from being an entertainer and, um, it just really kind of grew from there. So, um, and then I, my, my career grew and soared really fast. I mean, again, my first, I got a major market morning gig at 19 and that's just, um, that's just really unheard of, but I, I worked so hard cause I was craving craving that there was love a gap there. There was a hole there that, that needed to fill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, I understand. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Like, you know, I'm proud of you for doing reflection. Not everybody reflects like that and has the self-awareness to look back and be like, why am I this way? Or why do I make these decisions? I've been on a I journey. I exhaust myself yeah, doing I, it. Yeah. I've been on a journey myself because there are certain attributes and things that I do as well. Where I'm like, I wonder why yeah. I can't let go, you know, of certain relationships or I'm the right. one that is keeping this friendship alive. You know, why am I the one that is always the one reaching out? And, you know, there are gaps that have happened in childhood for, for everybody. And there are buckets that needed to be filled and they weren't. And we seek it in different ways as we grow older. And so I've had some realizations as well recently. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's why I am the way that I am. But, and it almost freaks you out. You're like, whoa, yeah, why, why wish I would have understood this earlier. And yeah, that's always sense. my thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, so your first radio gig you got at nineteen. Well, fifteen, but 15. then my morning gig at nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So t- let's talk a little bit about uh, morning radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what's what's that world like? Oh, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I again, I did it for twenty two years, um, and I I was fortunate enough to have the same morning show partner for most of that time, um, and he's one of my one of my best friends. He he lives in Houston, um, but we it's so much fun, but it's exhausting. I mean, you're getting up at three three thirty in the morning. You're going live at five, and uh, to be from zero to one hundred every single day, Monday through Friday. Um, it's like when that microphone goes off, you're just like, Oh my gosh, I can breathe again. (laughs) And not to mention, you know, it it doesn't stop there after the show, you go into show planning and, um, followed by a lot of, uh, you know, uh, doing a lot of promos, recordings and doing commercials and then going into appearances and concerts. I mean, everybody thinks all radio people, like I, you just turn on a microphone and talk, but it's, it's difficult. I mean, you know, as a podcaster, Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult because you have to prep. There's a lot of prep that goes involved that's involved. And I tell you what, most people, you turn on a microphone and then tell them to entertain somebody, they're going to fall on the floor and probably pass out because it's intimidating. This, this microphone is intimidating. Cameras do the same thing. Cameras do the same thing. It's shut down. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it it is a very interesting, um, profession and it has been, it was so good to me for so long and I'm so grateful for that opportunity because it's led me here today. So, um, but I just had the best time just creating content and working with my best buds and traveling and just all the experiences I had with that industry, uh, has been fantastic um, and has helped me so much um, now that I, I'm an agency owner. So yeah, I'll bet. What makes a good radio host? Um, the the desire to connect and mm-hmm. to be transparent. I think that's the biggest thing. People, I feel, especially now, the vulnerability is very difficult for a lot of people, and, it, and including myself. Um, I always have to recite some Brene Brown quotes in my head to remind myself. And like, I'm thinking about her Ted talk, which I know is very popular because it's Mm -hmm. popular because people struggle with it. Right. And so I I feel like, um, that was the biggest thing because you're putting yourself out there. So the ability to connect with people with full, genuine transparency. And again, that's something I learned, um, at a very young age that has led me to today and being an agency owner and being in a communications agency at that, um, is just being able to put yourself out there and being okay with the response and the reaction of others because yeah. you're putting yourself, I mean, it's just you're, Hey, here's totally my exposed. life yeah. totally exposed. But again, if you touch two or three people's lives that day and help them, even if you, even if you ignite anger or frustration, you're giving that person something for that day. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I, ticked off a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've gotten a lot of hate mail. I've been called a lot of nasty names because of my opinion. However, I made them feel something that day. Sure. Regardless of what it is, I made them feel something other than, oh, I'm going to go get my Starbucks coffee and I'm just going to drive down the road and have a blank stare as I'm on my way to work. Um, it made them feel something and gave them something to talk about throughout the day. So what are some tips for like connecting to an audience? Like, if you've got, whether you're on stage or you are talking to an audience via radio or a podcast or something like that, like, you know, what are some tips to, you know, to really put out stuff that is going to make people think or feel or, or to get a connection? Well, it's you having a life as the person hosting anything and, and having that microphone, that microphone is such a, 
it's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege that you have access to all those people and to be able to share something with them. So don't take it for granted. Right. And so when you have that opportunity to connect with people, you're ultimately in return putting yourself out there too. Um, but one of the best pieces of advice I received from a consultant, uh, Randy Lane is his name. Um, he's a very popular consultant. Uh, he's Jimmy Kimmel's consultant and he was my consultant. Um, not that that matters. I'm definitely not on Jimmy Kimmel's level, but I worked with him for many years and he said, Shonda, when you're talking to the audience, you go into, when you go into that studio and you crack open that mic and you are feeling a certain way, know that everybody that's listening to you is feeling the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So just go with it. Just go with it. If you're feeling drained and exhausted and tired, there's something going on with the vibe with your listeners too. If you're all, you're all in this together. So just being open and genuine about that, um, and not pretending like everything's okay. And because there, I mean, some days it's great. Yeah. Other days it's not. Was it hard for you to find that space? Uh, were you guarded? Uh, oh, yeah. uh, how did you get over, you know, the initial, I don't know if I should say that. I don't know if I want to be that vulnerable, you know, what, yeah. the, you know, at what point were you like, you know what, this is me and this is what you're going to get, you know, in a professional manner, of course, but it took me, I was 21. It was right before I got married. And I remember that because I, I was teetering, I'd go back and forth. I'd, I'd be open then I'd get scared and close up again. I mean, I was still very good at my job and like connecting, but only to a certain level. It wasn't until I woke up for the show and I was in Minneapolis at the time and, um, I'm allergic to red 40 dye, uh, uh, red 40 dye. And my, he was my fiance at the time. Um, but, and now my husband, but he had purchased cinnamon toothpaste well, I was in a hurry, brushed my teeth. I was like, oh shoot, maybe I had red 40 dye in it, but I just didn't think anything of it, got into work. I'm doing the show and my mouth started to feel weird. And I'm like, what is going on? I go, I think I'm having allergic reaction. And my morning show partner is looking at me across the studio. And he's like, Shonda, your face is starting to droop and like oh, hang gosh. down. So I thought, oh my gosh. So I had to leave the show. They had to rush me to the emergency room. They thought I had a stroke. Turns out it was Bell's palsy. Oh my God. And the creation of how that all began, it's because I was, it was stress is a big creator of that. And I was bottling up a lot of things. Again, I'm, I'm just freshly 21 at this time. And I found myself at that point being in the industry for what, six years at that time. Um, that I wasn't truly being my genuine self. I was to a point, but not fully. And it's because I was bottling those things up and, and morphing myself into somebody that was safe. Right. It was just, I was just a safe personality, personality right. you know? And I always like to reference Ryan Seacrest in that regard because he's just a safe personality. He talks and does celebrity interviews, and that's really, there's no there's not a lot of layers to him. And that's right? what you get with Ryan, right? Right, but that's why he's syndicated, and that's why he's safe and all those things. Right. But to truly connect with an audience, that's kind of where I was at, and I ended up getting really sick. It, it made me sick. It made me physically ill. And so at, from that moment on, I was... 
like I, I just went. To, I took it to a whole new you level. You unlocked. Yourself. I unlocked, and I never. I didn't take any time off um, after getting Bell's palsy. It took me about six months for my face to look somewhat normal. I still have paralysis on the right side of my face as a reminder. Oh don't bottle things up. <laughs> just do it more in a professional manner, not so crazy. <laughs> right. um, and so, but that was my moment to just. And and when the doctor's talking to me, like your stress levels are way too high you know, what's going on. And I just vomited at the mouth. Like just all these things like this is what's happening. I'm holding this in. I'm holding that. in. he's like, stop it. It is going to kill you. Stop it. Mm-hmm. And if this is the profession you're going to go in, you need to fix this with yourself. And that was my moment. I'm like, okay. So before you had that realization yeah. in this event, did you, did you have any idea that's what you were doing? Was there something internally that was like, I did. I did. Oh, God. You know, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I did. I knew, I knew I was doing it because um, there would be, yeah, there would just be these moments and topics I had really true, strong opinions on. Um, and then just in, within the industry too, it's a very male dominant industry. And so being one of less than, you know, barely 1% of women being in the radio industry and in the, you know, journalism and media, um, I, it was very male dominant. And so I was in very, I was very young. So trying to figure out my way and not step on too many toes cause yeah. it's all politics too. And, um, I mean the, the, the TV show, the morning show on mm-hmm. Apple TV, that is a true representation of what it, the media industry is like radio or TV. That's how it is. And I, they, they did their research for that show because it is spot on. And so I feel like not only was I doing that on the radio show, but I was also doing that, um, within the, in, internally in the business. Um, I didn't want to step on toes. I didn't want to stick up for myself like I should. Um, I just craved that connection and that ability to feel loved by an audience that was stronger than anything at that point. And I was willing to make myself sick for it at that time. And then obviously whenever you're smack dab Mm -hmm. being confronted with a health issue, you're like, okay, I need to change it. Right. Right. So after you have this rebirth, so to speak, (laughs) right. Um, what was your feeling of connection with after that? Because I think you're right. People, absolutely respond to authenticity you know so was it supercharged for you after that was it I think it was because I mean immediately after that um I you know I I got a lot of opportunity I mean it was wild my endorsements went up my um you know appearances also that comes with a lot of negative stuff because people who completely like could not be on like more polar opposite than you those people would show their heads too. And, um, and it wasn't so nice. I would get hate mail and all that stuff and it was fine. Scary at times, sure. but it was fine. We, yeah. we dealt with it, but that really unlocked me, um, on the radio show and in my career, but also my personal life and just how I handle situations. I just learned so much. I had so much growth from that personally and professionally. Great. Okay. Well, let's talk about your uh, next phase of your life. Yeah. So you're in radio for a long time, right? 22 years. 22 years, years yeah. And let's talk about your exit from radio. And then you uh, you got on with, is it was it Microbe? Is that? Microbe Formulas, yeah. yeah. So let's talk yeah. to me about your exit from radio. Like when did you know you were done? Yeah. You know, and how did you connect with, you know, uh, Microbe? And what was your role there? Well, Cumulus Media um, confirmed that I was done by letting me go along with the rest of the radio station. Yeah, um, but, but in their defense, in their defense, um, I was ready for a while. Um, that's the thing with radio. When you're in that industry for so long, it's almost like you, you've been in uh, insurance, what, 15 years? 18 years. 18 yeah. years. It's, it's shifting from that and then you just going and applying for something. They're like, wait a minute. You have 
18 years of insurance uh, experience. Why on earth are you wanting to be this now? And so um, I, before I um, had taken the job here, I was on the fence because I felt like my time was up. I felt like I needed a new challenge. I had done it for so long. So in, in the defense of the radio station that hired me here, I, I was, I was ready to go. Mm. Um, but I didn't want to admit that to myself because this is all I know. Right. And, um, and so finally it just all came to a head and we all got let go from the station and, um, and I was relieved. It was like a huge weight lift off my shoulders. Like, okay, what now? Um, but from that transition from Dallas to Boise, I had started to already think about, I really want to start an agency, a creative communications agency. Here's how I want it to look. Here's what I want it to do. And I got scared and then moved here, which thank goodness I moved here because this has been the best opportunity of my life. Yeah. And this, and, and the city and the treasure Valley has been so incredible to me. Um, so this is the best decision the best move we could have made. Um, but that was when, um, when, so when they let, um, let us go, uh, I, that was going to be the time. And yeah. so I was trying to piece it all together, figure out how it was actually going to work. Cause now it's go time. Right? right. And my husband's super supportive. Um, my son, everybody's supportive. We don't want to move again. We want to, so we want to stay here in Boise. Um, and then what do you know? I got scared again and I'm like, no, now is not the time. And then I got an opportunity. I got a call to, um, to be the director of public relations for micro formulas. Mm-hmm. They're like, Hey, we're a startup. We sell supplements. They're really great supplements. And uh, we want you to head up PR. I'm like, okay, how many are on my team? Well, there's nobody. It's going to be just you. And I'm like, oh, great. Okay. So because I had that opportunity for a cushy salary and, and I shouldn't say cushy, but I had an opportunity. It's still going to be scary. Cause again, I'm coming from radio into this position in a corporate, uh, environment and being the only person for my department and kind of being by myself and building something with a blank canvas. Um, I, I thought, okay, I'll put the agency on hold. Cause I really don't know what that looks like. Even though I've thought about it for years, I need to take this job and see where this goes best decision I ever could have made. I'm so glad I did that. I'm like, yay, I'm so glad fear took over and I I took this job because when I took that job and I had that blank canvas, which I'm used to every day planning a show, like how am I going to entertain today? Uh, How am I going to connect with people today? I had that blank canvas and, um, and I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. The CEO at the time, Ryan Riley, um, just, he believed in me so much. He saw my portfolio. He's like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This is 46 pages. I go, what, wait, you read all 46 pages of my portfolio. That's fantastic. But thank you. (laughs) And, uh, he, he just really believed in me and gave me this incredible opportunity. Um, and then he promoted me to VP of communications. I led a team of 22 people and, um, we actually took the company I want uh, five to fifty million in two years. Oh my god! And then, it, then ultimately got acquired last April. So it was well done. Yeah. So it, it was it was huge growth. We did a lot of fun campaigns, and uh, but again, for for someone to trust and believe in me, and believe in the things I believed in myself that I knew I was I was capable of to have that in a team at microbe was just fantastic I mean down to I mean everybody I just it was just such a wonderful experience for me well based on what you said before you know your need for connection your yeah. need to feel love like you felt that immediately yeah, from right? you know, like you read all of my stuff right oh my god you care about me right you care. and that and, would never happen in radio by the way like <laughs> right. we talk about I mean, yeah. they're like okay great so your awesome. allegiance with that company and with him must have been really strong right out of the gate because you're like well, this person obviously cares about me enough to read all my stuff and then to offer me the job. I 
am going to kill it for them, right? Like that must have been what you felt. The the culture there was just unbelievable. Um, And I was just so grateful. My husband was actually the VP of marketing. I was the VP of communications. I mean, (laughs) it worked, but uh, we work really well together. But still, I mean, just having that um, opportunity to not only to get to work with my spouse every day and just create something really cool. I had a CEO who uh, is still a very close friend of mine today and uh, just someone who believed in me even when I was questioning myself. So that was fantastic. That's awesome. So what were you hired to do when you started there? And like, what were your first steps to accomplishing that? So I was hired as the director. Of, actually, to back up, I was hired as the events project manager. Okay. <laughs> I was in that role for about six days and that's where the portfolio comes in and they promoted me to director of public relations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically. So, um, but I, so they, I, I'm not kidding. I was in that role for just a couple of weeks and, uh, I transitioned to director of public relations again by myself. I had this office and I'm like, what the heck do I do now? I dove into, you know, from being in the media industry and knowing how PR works. And I had a PR agent myself. I had my, my talent agent uh, as well. So I understand what it takes, but I also had this perspective of, okay, I've been in media for so long. If I'm now the director of public relations, reaching out to media, I know what media is looking for. So I just had a different perspective there and uh, which I found unique and, and obviously microformula is found unique. And so my main goal was, uh, my vision for PR was, um, uh, grow locally, impact globally. That was my mission. So how on earth can I grow this very hyper-scientific, boring, yet great supplement and get that into the minds of the masses um, in a really big, fun way in the middle of COVID? This all during COVID. This was, I mean, this was... I mean, right, right before COVID hit, um, and, and everything was down and and just the morale everywhere. I mean, in our community, everybody was scared and sad, angry. There was all these, a lot of politics. So this is a very, this is a huge challenge for me. And so, um, my main focus was creating a campaign that would make a splash, Mm -hmm. um, be polarizing, and that would hopefully grow and uh, get us the attention that we need, not only locally, but nationally. And boy, right out of the gate, I did that. Um, and it was, some people find it appalling and others find it funny. But the this, the campaign that we first did, because again, our supplements are about drainage, right? So drainage comes the number two. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was on the phone with one of my girlfriends as I, again, I'm trying to contemplate, like, what is this campaign? What can I do? And my girlfriend called me and she's like telling me all the things that girls do, TMI. And she was like, you know, I finally used the restroom. I'm like, yay, you pooped today. <laughs> and she's like, oh my gosh, oh, you're disgusting. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, she's like, you're cheering for me. I go, but wait a minute, I got to pull over and write this down on my phone because I think there's something here. <laughs> so I actually put in my phone, I saved the note right. I have in my phone and it said, yay, yeah. I pooped today. And so I put that on a bunch of billboards. Oh my God. I, I put it on 27 billboards around the Treasure Valley. Um, I got all my radio industry friends and TV media involved. And it was basically a uh, attention grabber to then take you to a landing page to educate you on drainage and all those things. And it blew up. I mean, we won like national awards for that. It was the craziest um, uh, thing. It, 
craziest experience. We actually got turned down by a media group. They wouldn't even advertise it because it was too much for them. And okay. <laughs> so we got turned down like, oh, shoot, that oh. stinks. Uh, and then, you know, just the anticipation of how's this going to go? How's this going to be received? Yeah, there's some risk there for sure. There's some risk there because it was, you know, again, we should feel comfortable talking about this. And that's the whole point is education that ultimately led to, you know, sales because people are having issues with that, especially women. And so uh, it just took off. I mean, we were, <laughs> we were everywhere, bad or good. Yeah. You know, we were, we were everywhere for a long time. Still to this day, it pops up uh, in my life. So, and That's then, insane. and then the 2000 bumper stickers that went along with it. So I'll randomly run into those as well. That's fun. So it was interesting. So how long are you in that role or how long are you at microbe? I was at microbe. Let's see. So three, almost three years. Okay. Yeah. And you hired some coaching, right? I did. So when we have, um, when we, I guess there were some talks, our growth was, I mean, just crazy growth. And, um, again, being executive there and being a part of those executive meetings and quarterly plannings, the conversation popped up that, Hey, we're, we're going to put ourselves on the market. We're going to, we're going to seek out, um, you know, just to see if we have any bites. And I knew at that moment, um, just knowing the ownership team really well, I just knew that it was going to happen, but I also had a huge team and culture was so important. And I was head of team building at microbe as well. And so I just had this ability to (laughs) being in the media industry too, and knowing how those sales happen and, and just all the turmoil and the uncertainty and employees feeling unsafe. Um, and I've already experienced that multiple times, right. Over the 22 years. So when, um, I heard that conversation, I immediately sought out coaching on how to navigate that with such a huge team because on, on radio, on radio, I would have myself, my morning show host, a producer, and maybe an intern. Right. And then we're all just kind of, we all experience it and expect it. And plus we're the last ones. They're not going to let us go, but yeah. the higher ups executives, they're the first to, to go. And so again, knowing this, the patterns of how these go, I w- I wanted to be um, prepared and professionally process it myself, but also be there for my team and making sure that their transition would go smoothly as smoothly as it possibly can. And so that's when I sought out coaching. Yeah, so, let me, coaching. so let me ask you, what caused you to have that immediate reaction where you're like, I need help with this versus I'm going to figure this out myself. You know, there, there are two kinds of people in the world, right? And I think, I don't think people hmm, seek coaching as enough uh, as much yeah, as, as they need. I think there's a lot of, I'll figure this out myself. I mean, we live in the, uh, you know, the age of data and information. Like there's so, yeah. anything that you want, you can Google or type and, you know, some people try and figure that out themselves. But, you know, what part of you was like, I immediately, had you, had you hired a coach before? Like I what, what drew no. you to, did someone say you should hire a coach? Like where, where did that? No, I mean, I have a therapist on speed dial, but I don't have, I didn't, I had not sought out coaching. Um, and I, my biggest thing was, you know, being in the radio or media industry for so long, I, I was an egomaniac in my teens and early twenties. But after you, you get, you know, smashed down quite a few times, ego's gone. And like, you know, I'll see my ego will flare up occasionally, but in this moment, most of the time, there's no ego there. And I, I'm completely self-aware enough to know, like, this is a big deal. 
and this is not anything like I've experienced. It's not me that I, I'm concerned about. It is my team. My team is everything to me. And I get emotional when I talk about them because, you know, my business partners now at 2D, they were the directors there. Okay. Um, and so um, just protecting them, I guess, with every part of my being, uh, it's not about me at this point. It's not about me at all. It's about my team yeah. and making sure that they are good and happy, healthy as they possibly could be through this transition. So it was never about me yeah. at all. And, um, and I think that's the thing of just having that unconditional care and, and, and again, a privilege it's, it's a privilege for me to, to be their leader and, um, and to be able to have them as a team. And so when you think about the privilege that it is, you want to take care of it. Yeah. And that's what I decided to do. That's great. Yeah. How did you find the right coach? Uh, how did you know what to look for? How did you know that it was going to be a good fit for you? I wanted someone complete opposite of me. Okay. I can't have an agreeable person. I need someone who's going to challenge me and I'm really big into, I'm a big believer in, in the chamber whether it be Boise Chamber, Meridian Chamber. Um, in this case, it was Meridian Chamber. And uh, Meridian Chamber has been so incredibly good to me. And um, we just have a great relationship. And during my time with them, um, at that point, I had, you know, I was the head of uh, Women in Leadership Committee, and I was just very involved. And uh, that is where I met um, my leadership coach, who is still my leadership coach, Connie Miller. I mean, you talk about, I mean, you know her. Yeah. and And she is just... She has been a game changer for me. It's almost like she's, I, I can't go Monday without talking to her when she goes on her trips. Now that she's retired, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I need you, you know, and she yeah. always gives me the heads up. But I, I met Connie through the chamber and I'd heard a lot of great things with, about her leading up to that, of course, because, mm -hmm. you know, she's very involved with the chamber. And, um, and so when her and I had, you know, our little meet and greet and kind of talked about all the things we just instantly clicked, but I also knew that she would challenge me and we have opposite interests when it comes professional. She's very, I'm very analytical and I have those strengths too, but she's like all in the, she's just like matter of fact, she's not afraid to say what she means and she has such great leadership style and, and support that she was exactly what I needed at that time. So we were opposite, but yet similar, yeah. if that makes sense. No, and, perfect. um, and I knew that she'd be, she she has the experience to 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 put me where I need to be so and guide what, me there. What did you learn from her? Oh my gosh, where do I begin? Well, first off, she helps me with growth plans. I, I didn't even I've never even heard that term. Like I'm like, what do you mean growth oh, plan? Let me write this down. And see. then my eyes glaze over when she says spreadsheet, and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh. Um, but I think it's the the self awareness that she really keeps me in check, and um, I have this tendency with my team that um, I trust them with everything, but I also, you know, I expect them to be a mind reader. Like, just figure it out. I'm busy doing my thing, and then then they don't understand. And I, mean, I don't do this all the time, but I do have those tendencies, just to give you an example. She reels me in after I, we go through, like, these different situations. Like, hey, how could I have been better here? Mm -hmm. And she is just incredible at navigating those and bringing it back to how could I be better? And uh, because whenever you're frustrated and you're busy and all those things, it's easy to put project and put blame on others, but really you're only as good as your leader right. and um, just figuring out how finding those ways to be better all the time. Um, she's really good and I'm very transparent with her. She knows everything about me. And, um, and so she always pieces those together and helps me understand so I can be better the next day. Great. Yeah. It's so helpful just to have somebody to be able to talk to, 
openly yeah. and honestly and transparently yeah. um, and to have somebody listen, you know, take it all in and, and give you back feedback or advice or uh, Brutal in, in, honesty. in the same way, you know, yeah. transparent and honest. And uh, as long as your goals are the same, you can both learn from each other, you know, in, right. in times like that. So, yeah, she's brutally honest. And that's what I love most about her yeah. is that she just, but she's so kind and obviously caring and, and loving and, but she's brutally honest. Yeah. And that's my favorite thing about Connie Miller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so t- let's talk a little bit about culture. Um, yeah. The culture, you know, microbe was phenomenal from what I can tell like culture is really important like you've you lived uh, in in the radio world for a long time and there was a culture there and now you've got you're at microbe and you know what makes a great culture this is kind of a vanilla question but it's really important I work with uh, I have a staff of two uh-huh. okay yeah. I mean, but, and, and our culture here I'm very proud of like yeah, I, right. people love to come to work here you know uh-huh. and uh, that's intentional, you it know, is. it's done th- through things that I have done and, and the way I treat them and the way I care about them and, and the job that we do. And, um, you can have a three person business with, with an awesome culture, but I've also had a culture here that hasn't been great in the past. Right. And so I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about what you think makes a great culture and how does, how does leadership, you know, provide that, you know, what's, what, what kind of table do you set to make sure that people are coming in? they're coming in, you know, excited to work and they want to work hard for you and they're, and they're going to have fun and they're going to learn. They're going to be, you know, they're going to be challenged. Um, but there's also joy and, you know, success. Like what, how do you do all that? Well, you can't, and you know, back to like the, the, the desire to connect and just feel, and want to make sure that your team is number one priority. I feel like that gets lost a lot in leadership. Um, and here's the thing: you can't force culture. No, you can't force it. It, it it will people will know if you have feelers on your team that are very empathetic and they're just so in tune with every single person and thing, um, they're gonna sniff you out in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So you cannot fake culture. Some leaders just are not good at it. Most leaders are not good at it, mm-hmm. especially C-suite. They're not they're not good at that, and that's okay. But be self-aware enough to know that it's not your thing. Bring someone else and in. And bring someone else in to take on that part that's really good at it and have them specifically focus on culture. So again, when you get into more leadership, um, upper upper management, you know, you could be dealing with some egos there to where they don't want to admit that they're not good at it, right? And so just having that self-awareness, I think it starts there for sure, mm-hmm. 100%. Like just admit it, you're, you're terrible at it and you need to bring somebody else in. Yeah. Keep your job, you're great at your job, right? but the culture thing, you're sucking at it pretty yeah. bad. Oh, that's good. So I think that's number one. And I think uh, two is listening to your team. You can do team buildings all day long, but I tell you what, they're not going to have fun at team buildings if they feel like it's a forced thing that is, they're not connected to anyone. If you are, you know, 30 days, you know, 28 days out of the month disconnected from your team, and then you're going to supposed to be doing like a day team building, it's not going to be fun for anybody. It's going to feel like it's a burden because they don't, they don't want to hang out with the people that they don't connect with during the, uh, during the week. So I I think um, working on that um, transparency and connection always 
um, being uh, as open and honest as you can to a degree. I know there's a lot of things obviously that can't be communicated, but most of the time they just feel connected and they feel important and they feel empowered most of the time. And uh, you're going to have your doubt. It's not going to be perfect, but at least starting there with that open communication and connection um, and to where team buildings that all is kind of encompassing to have, you know, quarterly team buildings or whatever you do. Um, and just empowering your team and making sure they know you care. Number one. I mean, that's all you can do. Having a conversation, doing your one-on-ones. I religiously do my one-on-ones. Um, and if I, for some reason, if I'm like, if one of us have a vacation day, I feel terrible. I'm like, I'll I'll instantly reschedule it to make sure. Cause I mean, it does happen scheduling conflicts, but it's on there. It's on, it's like clockwork to have those one-on-ones to feel connected with your team member. Even if it's 30 minutes a week, you know, it's not that, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. And if you can get to the point where they're looking forward to it because it's a time for them to be heard or they've got something they got to get off their chest. Yeah. One-on-ones are, are crucial. I've had one-on-ones when I was an employee and I looked forward to them, you know, cause it's like, all right, it's almost like a therapy session. It in is. Some You're like, it oh, is. I'm dealing with this and I got this client and, and you know, so-and-so on the other side of the desk is driving me nuts, you know? So like they, they need help too, they you know, do. Every, every week. And so to have a safe place where they can come and, you know, unload maybe some of their burdens, share some of their wins, you know, feel some love, get a pat on the back, get some direction. Like that's all really crucial to so many different facets, you know, their development, you know, um, you to be able to show that you care and, and, and provide your leadership. Like those are the tiny building blocks that will help you grow into something great. Well, so. and then knowing your team, I mean, you hire your team because they're smarter than you, you know, they know more than you and to be able to have that one-on-one time with them, to be able to hear their thoughts and feelings, whether that be personal or professionally, um, you walk away learning so much from them too. So right. it's like, it's a mutual thing. Um, because I just have the most incredibly talented team and they just, man, I, I, I can't, I can't say enough about them. Um, but I learned from them too. And yep. so it's a mutual thing for yep. sure. All right. This is going to take us to 2D. Okay. All right. So you mentioned a couple times already. You're like, I, yeah. I've been thinking about starting <laughs> this for a year. And then you said the word twice. You're like, I had fear. And then, fear, and then yeah. you know, and then I, when I left radio, I was like, I'm ready to go, but I'm still scared. You know, like, yeah. so at what point were you like, all right. I'm not afraid. Like, like Kevin in, in home alone. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid anymore. Like, how did you get to that point where like, all right, I think, I think I've collected enough experience and I've done enough where I think I'm ready to put my chips into this. Well, and I don't want to pretend like I don't wake up every day. I I'm afraid every day. (laughs) I'm afraid every day. Um, I'm just less afraid than what I was a few (laughs) years ago. Um, so again, micro being the one of the best decisions, I'm glad fear kind of took over and I, and I took that job, um, because again, it changed my life. Um, in many ways I met great people and I had that experience. Um, it gave me confidence to be able to start 2d. Um, but I met my team there. I have four, uh, business partners, um, and I met them there and we worked together and we were in the trenches together, creating campaigns and day in, day out going through the wholesale and, and, um, you know, being acquired, that's a whole thing in itself. And we just really bonded and we had something really special. So having them meeting them, just kind of douse that fear even mm-hmm. more so to where I'm like, okay, now it all clicks. It all, I mean, it made so much sense to me. It's like, there was no, how we're going to do this. It's when, and can we get an office space basically yeah. downtown Boise? So that was really what it boiled down to. Um, so we got acquired, our microbe got acquired last April and, um, 
we, uh, most of us got laid off December 8th of 2022. So December 8th, we got laid off. I had the office space December 11th. There you go. (laughs) And I told myself, I'm going to take through the holidays just to calm down and just kind of reset. (laughs) No, No. that is not in my nature. Yeah, it's not. I mean, if you have any kind of uh, entrepreneurship in your, in your existence, you don't settle and you just, you just go full throttle. And that's really what I did. My son and I went downtown. We met with a broker. We looked at the office space and, uh, I, I was like, I'll ask for forgiveness later. But of course I talked to the team and we, um, got the, I got the team together and we're, we were like, we're going to do this. And, uh, it's, it, we all have our own specialty mm-hmm. and that's going into the name, right? Like, I'm like, we all have our own specialty. Like I focus on traditional media and sales and, and help with creative supports and, you know, content. I, I kind of can do everything but design. Nobody wants me designing anything. I know that's okay. not in my thing, but I could look at it and say, Oh yeah, it looks oh, great. Good. But that's really as far as it goes with design. But, um, the fact that all five of us are fact finder follow throughs, again, we're a female owned and led marketing agency. Um, and, um, we all have, you know, ownership. Um, but like Michaela, she does our, our design and she's our creative director. And then we have uh, Mackenzie, who's our director of uh, content. Jesse, who is our director of social media and influencer management. And then we have Kaylee, who is our uh, director of public relations and events. And then Brett, she's our latest addition. She's our office manager. Um, and my lifeline, she does a mic schedule and my calendar mm-hmm. and all those things. Yep. Um, but we all have our own specialty, but we're very similar in our desire to be, just do really good work. And, um, and we're fact finder follow through. So we have that going for us. It's like our kryptonite, but also our strength because we are so detailed and we don't skip a beat. There's no holes. Um, but that also slows us down a bit. So we have that, you know, it's like that, uh, balance between the two. Right. Um, and most people in the creative space are like, just go quick start, just go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that. We have both, which is, which makes us unique. I feel, um, but with the name 2d, I was trying to find a name that would describe that. Like, how do you describe that? And I thought I was so clever. I came up with like 20, 30 names and every single domain was taken. I'm like, Oh, here Uh, we go again. There's like 50,000 of these agencies worldwide. And so my husband's guitar was in the living room and I, you know, I'm like, well, wait a minute, pieces of an instrument. Let me Google that. And so when I Googled pieces of an instrument, the word 2d popped up. It was T U T I. And I'm like, huh, what's that mean? And it meant pieces of an instrument that comes together to create harmony. And I'm like, whoa, let's look at this. Well, my husband, who is a marketer as well, he he was like, won't you add an extra you because there's five of you. And I'm like, that is brilliant. That's a great idea. That's even better because that's when I, that's when I up my chances of this domain being available <laughs> right. if I just make it's it up. Not a even word a now. real word, right? So, and then of course it was available. I met with the with the team. Um, again, this was right before the holidays, and we sat at Bonefish Grill downtown Boise. Uh, and I said, here, okay, hear me out. I'm going to say the name, but don't like just hear me out what the meaning is. And they gave me the weird look, and they're like, wait. It's cute. Yeah. It's cute and quirky. You know, yeah. I like it. And now it's just like, we couldn't imagine being anything right. else. It's just, com- it's who we are. You yeah. know, tell me some important things you need to have in place. Like, like as you're launching a business, like what, how did you prepare so that you went in kind of, I guess prepared, you know, um, sanity number one. Yeah. Like where do I mean, you find that? Right. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it, you think, you know, right. You think, you know what to expect. Anyone who has started a business, who wants to start a business, you have no idea. I honestly, 
um, wow. Um, we, there's so many moving parts and, and obviously depending on the industry, there are so many moving parts, but I think number one is having the right people. Definitely. And that is the number one most important thing. I tell my team every single day, you are the most important thing. Professionally speaking, you're the most important thing, um, or, you know, in, in my life, professionally speaking, but, um, they, uh, that has to start there yeah. because that's, that's the piece of the puzzle that if they're going to, if we each have our ownership uh, responsibility too. So like we have our service lines and then we have our ownership responsibility. So like Michaela will help me with operations, Jesse and, and Kaylee help me with sales. Mackenzie is our HR. So we have like our little staples, but we identify those from the beginning. So just making sure everybody has their scorecard outlined, what their responsibilities are that way when you're moving fast, there's no holes, right? Yeah. I'm always like perfect the basics, get that figured out with the right people. And then everything else kind of comes together. We just get, get, put our head down and we get the work done and have fun doing it. Yeah. Uh, some days are better than others, but you know, for the most part, um, find that, find your people, find yeah. your people. How blessed were you to be able to, to start with a full deck? you know, people like not everybody has that luxury. Not, right? They don't, Very few. they don't. And I, I, I'm telling you, I, I get so emotional. Anytime I ever talk about them, I, I can't even look at you cause I'll get teary eyed. But the, um, I, I, I'm so fortunate to have them. And, you know, sometimes I think, man, do they know how important they are? You know, like, cause I'm really bad about words of affirmation. I, I I'm just, again, being self-aware, I'm more acts of service type person. So I show them, you know, by other ways. Um, but again, this goes with my personal life too. I'm just really bad at words of affirmation. I'm like, Oh, well great. You did your Good job. job. Yeah. Like <laughs> again, go back to you the did what you were supposed to do <laughs> right? being genuine. But I, I try in my own way to really, um, make sure they understand how much, how important they are and how much I care for them and just how lucky we are. I think, I mean, I think they know that, mm -hmm. um, because they do see me get teary eyed every time I talk, about, talk about <laughs> us or whatever. Um, but they're just such an incredible team and they're so talented and they have my back that we have trust. There's, there's trust there at the core of us. There's trust. And to have five women working together and now six with, uh, Brett involved are, um, my assistant. Um, it's, you'd think that'd be a disaster. I mean, you know, women all in an office mm -hmm. running a business together, it is actually pretty darn awesome. Sure. And we don't have, we just have this true understanding of each other and how to work together. That's so amazing. it works out amazing. Good. What's your, what's your target customer? Like, what do you, who are you trying to, who are you trying to work for? Uh, we are, so we really focus on, um, our clients, uh, any way that we can amplify the, the life of a female, uh, based, I mean, we're a fem we're female owned and, and led, uh, agency, um, our, and our interests obviously kind of roll into that. Um, but outside of that, anything that could, um, enhance and improve a woman's life. Um, and that could really be anything, um, anywhere from heating and cooling. Do you realize me being on the phone with the heating and cooling? I'm, my husband's out of town on business and I'm trying to navigate this. Mm -hmm. What a client that would simplify a woman's life. So, I mean, again, we have a very broad, um, list of different sectors that we work with, um, anywhere from, you know, hair salons to wine bars to country clubs. I mean, we, we kind of, um, do it all. Um, and because we are so young, I mean, March 31st was our launch date. 
uh, we're still really kind of narrowing that down, but right now we're, we're kind of, or it's broad. Yeah. Um, and we love it that way right now because we're learning so much sure. about different industries and how to market those. And we love those challenges and, you know, so far so good. Um, but that's really I, the best way to describe it is anything that enhances and improves a woman's life. That's the product and or business we'll work with. Very good. And there's all the preliminary stuff with a client, like personality profiling, make sure that we're going to be a good fit. And if we're not, we'll gladly re- refer you to someone else. Um, but that's obviously the first and foremost part of our process is me meeting with the client or possible lead to make sure we're a good fit. Yep. Our personalities. What do you guys do better than your competition? I don't know if it's better. Um, I think it's different, unique. Um, just going back to, um, not a lot of agencies are female owned and led Mm -hmm. and our superpower is women. We're intuitive. We're empathetic. We have a lot of layers to us. We're like that ball of yarn that just unravels with Mm -hmm. all the things. And I feel like when we meet with clients who, really they're doing all the right things. They have this great idea for a business and, or they're in the throes of their business, but they just need a little help amplifying that and kind of digging uh, deep to figure out a way to market, market it better or just improve it. Because again, I, we know as business owners, we're busy every day is, yeah. is, is different yet the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so, and so just being able to empathize with the client and say, Oh, first let's, let's hug it out. Let's hug, let's hug, let's, let's vibrate. Yeah. And then we're here for you. We're here to support you and we're here to help you any way we can. And, um, and that's kind of what we, our strength is. Um, and what I think makes us unique because again, even marketing agencies, they're male dominant yeah. and that's okay too. I, I know a lot of fantastic, um, agencies, um, with, you know, that are male led and they're fantastic. I love them. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's better. It's just unique. We're just different that way because it is very rare for five women to own an agency and run it together. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. What are some early challenges that you have come across that maybe you didn't see coming? We're like, oh, I forgot about that. Or I didn't think we'd have to deal with that. Oh, so many things. (laughs) Oh, I I probably say a hundred times a day. Oh my gosh. I did not think about that. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of working through processes uh, and always improving processes. And that's kind of like my obsession is just making sure how can we make this um, problem free and least, at least predict like, okay, this could be a, a problem and then just go ahead and fixing it ahead of time. But we have an agency coach too. So I have my leadership coach and then the team as a whole, we have a, 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 an agency coach Great. to help us um, because again, We've worked with multiple agencies. We've done a lot of work for agencies. We've been integrated with agencies. But as far as running one, we have not, that we're new to this. And so again, going into, I never want to think that we have it all figured out when we don't. So I hired our agency coach before we even launched. So we had already worked with her for a couple of months before we even launched just to make sure what are we doing wrong? What, what's very important? What's, what's so important right now that'll help us, you know, uh, get started, um, and to the degree that we want as far as processes and things go. Um, but I think the processing of, you know, just the, the process for clients and the communication, just really honing in on that and sticking to it. Because again, there's so many moving parts. You could have a client try to change that process without them knowing. Right. But it's Mm -hmm. up to us as the team to set those boundaries and say, this is how we do it. And this is what works for us internally. 
if this doesn't work for you, then we'll probably have to let you know, you're have to go somewhere else because this is how we do it. Even though we could be upfront and over communicate that a hundred times, people change yeah. and that's okay. But us sticking to that internally is probably the biggest, I think thing that we've had as far as a challenge goes, just making sure we stick to our process and not bending on that because we know that works because we had worked together for many years. Yeah. So we know, we know what works and what doesn't. So how do you measure success when it comes to if somebody hires you and like from a, from a business owner standpoint, I'm, if I hired you know, an agency like yours, you know, the answer is generally pretty easy for me. I'm like, how much am I going to pay you versus how much are you going to make me? Like, is it that simple? You know, is it's it like, not, it's so, yeah. it's so muddy. I'm like, if I'm going to pay you X no. amount of dollars, then I'm going to need to make sure that we get this much, you know, back in sales or something like that. Like how is success measured when someone hires a company like yours? So multiple ways. I mean, we do growth marketing, which is a little bit easier to identify with, you know, data points and things like that. And we also do, um, you know, blog articles with SEO keywords and obviously pulling Google analytics and showing how much revenue that brought in. Those are always very important. And we do monthly reporting for all of our clients. So they kind of know there's full transparency always 100% of the time. Good. And so, um, just over communicating. And if there is an issue, let's address it and not bury it. Like it's not happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I think another strength of ours is that we really identify where we need to improve and we love most of our clients, if not all of them currently, they are all on board with that. They love that about us is that we're like, Hey, we noticed this is happening. Maybe we should change it up and just stay ahead of the game. Right? So there's that aspect of it. And then we have, uh, you know, creative communications. That's our biggest thing. Um, and that is public relations and, uh, creative campaigns. I mean, I'm talking high production campaigns that will, will be national and things like that. We, do, we have a couple of those happening right now. Um, and how do you, how do you uh, measure brand awareness? I mean, nice. let me count the ways. <laughs> it, it, it's just like, oh my gosh, there's, it's like the biggest thing. I mean, I think everybody's still every day it's something new and trying to identify that. And so we um, actually have um, a tool called Meltwater. It's so expensive. Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. But when you're looking for brand awareness, that is really the only tool out there to identify that. Mm -hmm. And it's so important. And we know the importance of it because that measures our success. It measures the client success. And, um, so we do, we pay like, <laughs> I'll just say it, it's $30,000 a year for this wow. tool that we provide for our clients for free. And, um, and it just basically pulls any type of mentions what they're getting in, in uh, free advertising based on the PR campaigns that we did. It shows every single mention positive, negative, or neutral, wow. um, in the system. And it pulls all the reports from clear back. We can go five years and say, Hey, this is where you were five years ago. Here's where you are now. Dramatic difference in your brand awareness down to how many people it reached. All those things are in this, uh, in this, um, report. So, um, we, we use that, um, uh, for the brand awareness portion, um, and then obviously, uh, being consistent, mm -hmm. I mean, being consistent with our reporting, they get their reports at the last day of the month. We do 90 day check-ins. Um, and obviously we customize everything. We're more of a boutique agency. So we customize all of our, our, um, packages and all of our, um, I guess pitches, um, for each client, but we, we just make sure that we over communicate. And, and if some client would set a, a monthly report, once a weekly report, we incorporate that and we'll do, we, we definitely accommodate that. Um, monthly is just, you know, a lot, a lot easier <laughs> yeah, just to collect all of it. Yeah. Weekly is a little bit more time consuming, <laughs> but we do it and we do it for our, our clients currently. Awesome. So 
Well, Shada, I'm a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> did I give you enough? I hope. You did I hope, great. I hope that this was informative and oh. maybe somebody would learn something from it. It's so uh, good. No, I really enjoyed talking with you. Gosh, hey, congratulations on you. opening your agency after thank having so this idea of a seed for so long and then overcoming the fear, but still doing it with the fear. Like that's amazing. You oh, know, I wake up every day, look at the ceiling, like what am I yeah, doing? Oh, here we go again. Like I hope I don't screw anything up today. <laughs> you know, perfectionism at its finest. No, but I appreciate. Appreciate your transparency and your honesty. You're really self-aware. You're really thoughtful about the way you just go through everything. You're really questioning, like, am I doing the right thing? You know, is this the right way to do it? I want to take care of my team. It shows a lot of integrity and grace. And so um, I appreciate you coming in and just sharing your story with me. Oh, thank you so and, much, Matt. Um, Thanks for having me. We're, we're all rooting for you. Oh, thank you very much. All I right. appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Well, there you go. Thank you so much, Shonda, for coming in and sharing your story. It's incredibly inspiring. I love how just in tune you are to yourself and how authentic you are. People can feel that from you. Your team can. Your customers can feel it. Uh, and it's just going to serve you incredibly well moving forward. So thanks for sharing. My name is Matt. This is None of My Business. You can find me all over the place. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Deets Agency. You can go to my blog at DeetsAgency.com. Thank you so much for listening. Keep up the good work. <laughs>